ladies and gentlemen. Oh, sorry, that was terrible. You do it. You do the intro. It's part two. Trapo. Christmas mixtape. I'm Dustin. I'm Kai. Let's get this party started, Kai. Here we go. Yeah, I'm going to bring the mood down. We're on a high thinking about boners and Santa Claus. But I'm I'm introducing Winter Song by Sarah McLaughlin from her 2006 album, Winter Song. album very exciting very uh highly anticipated cheerful christmas album which happens yeah. to feature feature a title song about uh, loss and uh sadness and misery all those things you think about when you uh when you think about christmas basically yeah i seem to remember maybe my mom or your mom or somebody had this cd i listen to christmas music but I listen to Sarah McLaughlin anyway, so this was going to happen regardless. Yeah. Even if I didn't like Christmas music, I was going <laughs> to be Maybe it was you. Did you ever have it it was me. Yeah, I had the CD. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, duh. It was probably you. It was me. It was me. <laughs> You're like, if it was anyone in our family not named me, I don't fuck, I don't know. It, yeah. it had to have been my mom or you. Because you're the only two people who actually enjoy listening to Christmas music on purpose. And I'm not not jamming to Christmas music every day in December. It's just a thing that happens periodically. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially, like before um streamable media makes christmas music instantly you can have a billion fucking christmas songs at the fucking touch of your finger like five categories you want new christmas pop do you want christmas classics christmas crooners og original favorites classical instrumentals and each one of those playlists has 50 to 100 songs on it there's a playlist for every mood literally there's probably not much there's a little overlap but probably not a whole lot not a lot because there is so much goddamn christmas music out there it's everywhere it's pervasive yeah but back then you had to have the fucking cd to put in your car or a mixtape like the one we're making right now with uh sarah mclaughlin's winter song it's a song about loss and heartache during what uh should be the happiest time of year the uh character singing her love has died all she's left with is memories she's alone and when the pain becomes too much to bear she chooses to remember the love of her life during their happiest moments this is how i see you in the snow on christmas morning love and happiness surround you you throw your arms up to the sky i keep this moment snow on christmas morning the way she sings this song it puts you right in the mindset of that character yeah i seem to remember um, a depressing snowy cabin just sitting there by a fire by yourself thinking about just wandering out into the forest alone and dying <laughs> like you know what? it's not far Fuck off this. Yeah, it's not it's like not the, far off kai i, I mean i, I mean like joke, the, the but... feeling from her perspective is just like ugh fuck it merry fucking christmas it's a song that is but that also happens in real life to everybody it's a a song that's rooted in sadness it is not a happy song but it is a song about a woman who chooses to remember the love of her life in their happiest moments their happiest moments happen to be during christmas one she sings this is how i see you in the snow on christmas morning 
I don't listen to this song very often. Every time I do, it makes me cry. Yeah. And when she reaches that one point, when she starts saying Merry Christmas, but she's whispering it. Merry Christmas. She's just talking to her love. Merry yeah. Christmas. That is like a wound. It's a song that rips your heart out. And sometimes I think you need a song to rip your heart out. Especially at Christmas. You need something like that. Yeah. I need something like that. There's a difference between a song that makes you feel kind of melancholy or even down. And a song that just stabs you in the heart. And Winter Song fucking stabs you in the heart. This is not an insult. It's a wonderful thing. I think it's necessary to balance the sweet with the bitter. Winter Song is a beautiful thing because it represents a side of Christmas, a side of the holidays that the majority of people would prefer to ignore altogether. They don't want to think about the sadness, the pain of the people who've gone. Some of the best memories I've made with people I've known, people who matter to me, are at Christmas. Yeah. When those people are gone, and most of them are. Yeah, you feel that absence. It's more profound at that time of year. And I think Winter Song embodies that feeling perfectly. Sarah McLaughlin walks right over that tightrope and breaks your heart every time you listen to that song. Fuck it. Sarah McLaughlin is in. I'm going to send her an email. Yeah, you should should let her know. She's going to be thrilled. Yet another accolade. (laughs) Sarah McLaughlin's storied career. (laughs) Delete block. All right, well, um, my next pick for our Christmas Essentials mixtape is, honestly, it might it might be the first one that gets rejected, and it may be because you don't know it. You might remember it, and I don't know. You're fucking weird enough. You might actually remember it and know it, but it was something I found while doing some research and listening to things that meant Christmas to me. And one of those things is this movie that came out in the 80s called Gremlins. And the song by Jerry Goldsmith from the Gremlins original soundtrack, and it's called After Theater with Silent Night. It's after they leave the theater, right before shit really gets serious and hits the fan, or right when shit starts to hit the fan. I think it's right before. Oh, I would like to help you there, but I haven't seen Gremlins in a long time. It's been a long ass time it's since been I've a watched while. the movie. But it's just kind of this weird... I know the uh, song, because I know the soundtrack. It's this like early 80s kind of synth pop. Beep, 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 beep that kind of pops around and then it blends in with a nice like version of silent night which i don't think is on our list thus far no when i was flipping around, i was like oh the gremlin soundtrack that's got some christmas songs some kind of weird orchestral shit that kind of sounds like christmas they actually sounded pretty weird and different without the silent night blended into it it just sounded like video game music when you blend silent night into a couple of those parts it's like oh Oh, that's Gremlins. When it gets toward the end of the track, it suddenly gets dark. I 
do remember the soundtrack very well, and uh, I do remember this particular track. So yeah, look, since it's Christmas, I do like the piece of music. So, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna put it on the mixtape. I'm gonna put it on. I'm gonna do it. Shit, I can't say no because the Gremlins soundtrack in general is just pretty fantastic so you could have picked basically any random song off the soundtrack i probably would have said yes a bit of a soft spot for gremlins so yeah so now it's your turn uh my next song a single released in 1975 by greg like from the uh inimitable band emerson lake and palmer aka elp the song is called i believe in father christmas It's a lovely song about the uh, loss of innocence and childhood belief and uh, a bit of a fuck you to the commercialization of Christmas. The uh, co-writer of the song, Peter Sinfield, once described, I believe, in Father Christmas as a picture postcard Christmas with morbid edges. Morbid edges. Morbid edges. <laughs> yeah, that is nice. It's not totally fucked up, but if you dig real deep, it's kind of it's kind of fucked up. There's a darkness on the edge of town, you might say. Yeah, but it's <laughs> and that's that's not racist. No, that's like that's a Bruce Springsteen reference. It starts with the opening verse of the song. They said there'll be snow at Christmas. They said there'll be peace on earth. But instead it just kept on raining. A veil of tears for the virgin birth. Just right off the bat, there's something going down there. There's a bitterness to I believe in Father Christmas. There's just a touch of cynicism within, but it ends with this genuine note of optimism and joy that leaves you as a listener with this feeling of hope. I wish you a hopeful Christmas. I wish you a brave new year. All anguish, pain, and sadness. Leave your heart and let your road be clear. They said there'll be snow at Christmas. They said there'll be peace on earth. That last bit has always stuck with me because it feels so genuine. Hallelujah, Noel, be it heaven or hell, the Christmas we get, we deserve. That's always just been in the back of my mind every Christmas. You can make it as good or bad as you want. You get what you deserve. It's so good. I don't know. I mean, how do you write something like that? It's true. It's absolutely true. You project your own feelings, your own darkness or light onto the holiday every year it's a beautiful thing or it's miserable you bring your own baggage to the holiday every year that feeling of hope that the song throws at you it's bolstered by this orchestral swell that ends the song when the music swells to this crescendo and breaks Yes, maybe I believe in Father Christmas. Maybe I do. I kind of feel like there's the miracle waiting in the wings. L kind of made me feel like it. I think I believe in Father Christmas is a pretty damn good Christmas song. It's got the darkness in there that someone like me kind of wants, but it also has such a like an undercurrent of optimism. You can't ignore it. I believe in Father Christmas. Greg Lake. I think it's a classic. 
I wanted the mixtape. If you say no, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> well, fucking come at me, bro. Because I actually, I seem to remember this song. I don't know if it was from like 80s, 90s, classic rock, Christmas radio. The thing is, there have been several recorded versions of it. Uh, several of them have been recorded by Emerson Lake and Palmer as a band, I believe. Did they, they do a whole cover? The original was Greg Lake by himself, but uh, yeah. ELP released at least one version by themselves. It's on Works Volume 2. It's not bad. It's not a bad version, but I always prefer the original Greg Lake version. Oh, but there is a great version a live version where Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull accompanies them on flute. Just, oh. I'm just throwing that out there. I always enjoyed the nostalgia of the song. So, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the key on this one. Some bitch. We have one L up in this bitch. We need to get E and P on this piece. <laughs> get some E, maybe a little P. Throw me your Ooh. next pick, Kai. I'm ready. I'm, oh, I'm fuck. so fucking you think, ready. You think you're fucking ready? I don't know if ah. you're ready. This uh, comes from a album also that I know for a fact my mother got the CD when it came out, 1996. Christmas Eve and Other Stories by Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And this happens to be a mad Russian's Christmas. great song this was long before i had i probably heard run rudolph run in like movies and in the in the store but i didn't understand 1950 versus 1996 as far as like rock history and you know in 96 i would have been what uh, 13 and so just there's like i was like holy shit there's like a whole rock band and they're not just playing their parts they're rocking the fuck out and it's also like a classic christmas sound it's the best of both worlds that was like one one of the christmas albums that when mom and and katie were torturing me i was like could you at least put that on and they're like yeah eventually but not until you know we've listened to a couple greatest hits albums while we're decorating the christmas tree and then by the time we're getting on to putting up the christmas lights you're fucking tired of that shit i was long tired of that shit i remember that when we started talking about this i was like i don't even know what fucking album that was and i had to identify it by the cover the kind of dark blue cover with the christmas trees outside with the snow and shit and i was like up oh, that one and then i i looked at the at the playlist i i was like up oh, mad russians christmas oh shit that's the one that's the one and then i clicked on it and i was like yep get that shit in the fucking canon because it's a goddamn weird christmas time masterpiece of fucking rock music it's great rock music it's great music altogether, but it's a beautiful blend of like a rock band and then it breaks into a full orchestral piece and they're just kind of blended perfectly and i guess tso basically kind of invented that or not invented but they were one of the best at blending the rock band plus full orchestral it can definitely evoke feelings kind of cool also because there's a bunch of people who aren't it's kind of one of those things where like in sports only 
the best of the best people are the ones who get recognized, but there's a million other people who try really hard at it. And I always thought shit like TSO gave people who weren't maybe not the most amazing violinist or cellist you've ever heard, but the second or third best cellist you've ever heard. I was like, you know what? They could make a good fucking living just cruising around on Christmas with TSO. Especially, I mean, they've done some big giant fucking music halls around Christmas. Every year. To, yeah, every, every year. Every year. So much so, they have two different versions of the band touring at any given time. I was going to say, I could only imagine that at some point they say, hey, could we make two TSOs? And then yeah. there's one touring Europe and one touring America. And then I didn't, I wasn't sure. I always assumed that there was like a, it would only make sense. I mean, none of them are important named musicians. And it's right. the reason it's popular is because that guy's there. The reason I mean, it's popular is because they made these cool a lot of them are covers and different weavings of multiple things that had already existed plus a new version of something that had already existed this is all pre-covid of course but there were two different versions of tso touring north america in october november and december oh yeah one went east one went west yeah (laughs) east coast tso they played the same songs probably sounded exactly the same perfecto it wasn't the same people playing the same things Um, it's a great song I love it. A Mad Russian's Christmas. That's my next pick. How do you feel well, about that shit? I've always kind of had a soft spot for TSO. There was a period of time when I was trying to whittle down my list to uh, 10 songs. I had two TSO songs penciled in. and uh, Yeah, honestly, I, I had to pick one of their songs. I was like, yeah. okay, which one is it going to be? It's going to be this one, this one, or this one. I had to kill my darlings when I was making this list. I really yeah. did. And uh, cut some both, babies free. It pains me to say that I have uh, not included any TSO songs on my playlist. Mad Russian's Christmas, absolutely. It, it, it's, on the, it's on the playlist. But that leaves me to uh, my next song. I'll level with you. Not a song. Not actually a song. Released in 1971 by Cheech and Chong and Santa Claus and his old lady. Mama, mama, cita, donde esta Santa Claus? Lavato with a bony knees, he's coming down the street with no shoes and his feet, and he's going to... No, no, that isn't. <laughs> Beautiful. Not a song, but a sketch. It was the duo's first single. Was it? Yes, it was. It was actually oh, the first single. I didn't know that was their first single. Believe it or not, Dave, the track everyone knows, Dave's Not Here, uh-huh. that was the B-side that... to Santa Claus and His Old Lady. Uh. Who is it? It's Dave, man. Will you open up? I got the stuff with Who? me. Dave, man, open up. Dave? Yeah, Dave. Dave's not here. I saw them perform that bit live like fucking 10 years ago. I fucking almost pissed myself laughing, even though I heard it so many times. The way they played it live, so good. Two old fucking men who had no business doing this kind of shit anymore on a stage doing this oh my god it was so good i'm an easy mark though the reasons why i chose santa claus and his old lady i mean look if you know the track i think those reasons are clear i know gotta be one of if not the first christmas parody but it wasn't necessarily a parody but it it wasn't making fun of christmas but it was also it's very in the christmas spirit but it's also fucking stupid and hilarious (laughs) it is absolutely (laughs) on donner on bleason on chewy on tavo come on beto she just telling Chong because Chong doesn't know this he doesn't know the story for whatever fucking reason 
it's Tommy great. Chung like, is just a fucking blank slate. He knows nothing. Says, he's like, you don't know Santa Claus is. Like, I'm not from here, man. Like, I'm from Pittsburgh, man. I don't know too many local dudes. And that's fucking <laughs> fantastic. I love it. Cheech Marin tells him a story. He tells Tommy the story about Santa Claus. But it's not the Santa Claus story. It's like this bizarre, paranoid stoner version of Santa Claus. Like, Santa lived next door to him in an apartment. And, it, and and in my head, I always imagined that he was like, it was some like fat white dude who played Santa Claus at the mall that lived yeah. next door to him that he was like, oh my God, that's Santa and he's undercover all year. But then around Christmas, he's Santa Claus. But between all this noise next door, which is like the elves making toys. Pounding and hammering and pounding all night now. Wow. Typical freaks. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, man. They were really freaks, man. They got like thrown out of their fucking apartment in the projects. Oh, I think I kicked out of the projects. Man. They, they, they formed a commune, a fucking commune at the North Pole. <laughs> yeah. I remember thinking about that as a teenager and being like, holy shit. It basically was like a fucking hippie commune or a, a fucking religious camp. It was like, hey, guess what? You're going to come work for me. I'll get all your food and water and lodging. But guess what? You're going to work in my factory. And they were all in welfare. Santa and the elves, they are all in welfare. <laughs> they were all in welfare. He would still deliver toys on a sleigh. Like, but he'd take the freeway. How'd he do that, man? Oh, well, man, he took the freeway. How else, no, man? man. <laughs> but he take the freeway. The reindeer would fly because he gave him a little magic dust. A little bit for the reindeer. A little bit to Santa Claus. A little bit more for Santa Claus. A little bit more. And this would get the reindeer off, man. Oh, God, I'm off, man. Are you kidding me? They flew all the way around the world, man. <laughs> hey, that's far out, man. He got screwed over by, like, the Border Patrol and shit, and so he went <laughs> underground. And so he spends most of his time working undercover as, like, a Salvation Army bell ringer. This is Cheech Marin's story that he's telling Tommy Chong, like, completely seriously. Who knows nothing about Santa Claus and never heard of the dude. Yeah, because he's not, he's from Pittsburgh. He doesn't know Santa Claus. <laughs> Apparently. That beautiful Tommy Chong's like, Oh, I seen the dude. Yeah, man. you know who I'm talking about, yeah, man. man. Yeah. I played with that cat last really year, man. What? Yeah, we played in front of a store, man. We made a lot of Oh, bread, hey, man. wait a minute, man. Santa Claus is not a musician, man. I'm hip, man. That cat didn't know any tunes, man. Oh. That cat didn't know any tunes. <laughs> he didn't know any tunes. He didn't know any tunes, man. That's the fucking best. I will not let a single Christmas season pass by without listening to this ridiculous Santa Claus story at least two or three times. Because this thing is a goddamn classic. Take a few minutes out of your day, listen to Santa Claus and his old lady. Let yourself soak in the vibes of a stoner Christmas. It, you know what? It's in the canon. Fuck you. It's on the mixtape. Oh, fuck yeah. It's there. What have you got now, motherfucker? What have you got? I'm going to pick a song that means a lot to me, but I'm going to pick a cover. Maybe this will be the first one that gets rejected because you haven't heard this one. A cover of... Christmas time is here from the uh, original Charlie Brown Christmas, but this is a Christmas time is here covered by some lady named Lucius from 2018. <laughs> something strange sad bastard fucking lonely about the way this lady sings the song i don't know why but i fucking love it can i tell you something real quick i have this single on vinyl oh 
I, I love it. I didn't know this until just we actually dug deeper into this, but there's also a cover of, what was the other, there's a second song on this EP, the, the fucking single, the fucking Vanilla Fudge covered it. It was the fucking... But you're talking about Keep Me Hanging On. Keep Me Hanging On, yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned Vanilla Fudge covered it instead of like the... Was it the Supremes who made it originally with Diana Ross? Yeah, that was, yeah, the, it was the Supremes. Yeah. I love the Vanilla Fudge cover of Keep Me Hanging On. Fuck yeah. The point is, we're talking about the Lucius version of Christmas Time is Here, which is fucking great. Yeah. Spoiler, spoiler. Um, it's in. Um, yeah, I, I found this last year when I made my first ever Christmas playlist. It was just some random shit that popped up on like New Christmas or like Christmas Alternative playlist or whatever it was on Amazon Music. And I heard this cover and I was like, oh, this is about the only thing other than the original that I would be willing to put on a playlist. And this is one of those where I really wanted to put the original on there because it's one of the weirdest, loneliest, almost nothing in the world makes me feel lonelier than that fucking song. For some reason to me, that is the end of Christmas. Like late Christmas night, that's wrapping the shit up and you go to bed and it's fucking over. And Christmas time was here. If I may be so bold, there is another cover I would throw out as being worthy, and that is from uh, Diana Krall. You will tie by the fireside and joyful memories there. Have you ever heard her version of Christmas Time is Here? I think I might have. It sounds familiar. This version captures a melancholy tone that I think yeah. is just under the uh, Vince Guaraldi trio version, right underneath it. It's right there. Yeah, exactly. It, it's one of those things where in recording a podcast, almost anyone who's over the age of 20 would hear that and go, oh, I think that's from the Charlie Brown thing, right? This is one of the few Christmas songs that has always stuck with me. And the second it starts playing, I'm like, oh, sad and lonely, but also like it was a good day. But it's over. The end of a good thing kind of fucking sucks. No matter how great the fucking good thing was, it's the end of something that was great. And then it's not as great. But at least you got the memories. Right. And you have the memories. And, you know, when you're a kid, you have the memories, you have the toys. When you're older, it's about the memories and the fun. But when you're a kid, it's like, I opened all the toys. It was a great day. And then tomorrow's just a normal day. This day was special. And now, now it's not. The next day is almost worse because Christmas is over, but the decorations are all still there. It's like a morbid yeah. reminder of what was. By the 27th, you kind of moved on and it's just life is happening as normal. And you got to, you know, one, one of the more depressing things is putting that song on and then cleaning up Christmas. Taking out the trash and picking up all the fucking ribbon and the tinsel and shit that got left over. Well, that's dumping all you... the leftovers and cleaning the dishes and shit. Yeah. That's when and you they, play Long and... December from Counting Crows. That's when you play Long <laughs> December. Long December, and there's reason to believe. It's been a long December. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. I didn't know you had that fucking vinyl, but that's that's nice. It's a straightforward, well-done cover of the song. Uh, yeah, very, very true to the original. Shit, they made a good cover that's in the Trapo Christmas canon. It's on the playlist. <laughs> Blast off. Absolutely. Christmas time is here by goddamn Lucius. I got this on vinyl. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs>
You're probably thinking the same thing. Yeah, like, I was how thinking, do you know about this? I was thinking, wait, did I did I talk to you about this? And I don't remember. Is that what happened? I don't. I yeah. No, it turns out you knew about this too. This yeah. is just something we each found independently, which I find fucking insane. But fa- yeah, I'm, I'm happy even about weirder it. Weirder things when when we have these crossovers. Some of our uh, like our playlists. There are things I'm like, God damn, that was my number eleven pick. I never thought that was something that would have meant any fucking thing to you because it wasn't something that ever crisscrossed in our lives, but it happened in our lives separately, which is weird because we've been together since we were fucking born. (laughs) So figured some of those things would have came up, but then there's weird shit like this. It's like, wait, you heard that too? And you're like, I got it on vinyl, motherfucker. (laughs) I didn't know how you'd react to that. I was like, no, no, I got this on vinyl. I got this single right here. Oh shit, are you serious? And you're like, I heard it. I fucking need it. Yeah, you that, can around vinyl for twenty bucks. Well, fucking a, because that that was one of those things. I was like, ah, I don't know. I'm gonna put it in there because it's weird and somber, and I I want to put something in there. And I feel like the original version is something that most people know, at least know of. It, they may not know the name of it, but if you played it, they'd be like, "Oh, my aunt always played this when she got drunk at the party or something." Right. Most people. Who have spent time in America growing up between the 80s, 90s, and 2000s have some relationship with that song. One of the interesting things about a bunch of these songs that we've talked about is they're really, uh, a lot of them are all, they're not about Christmas. They're not about Santa Claus and fucking, I mean, like Run Rudolph Run is a kind of a funny, a Rudolph-y kind of Christmassy thing. Right. But most of them are about christmas nostalgia and the feelings about christmas a big part of that is also not a holly jolly christmas that's not what these songs are about no it's some sad bastard shit but that's because that's the kind of music we like and i'm not trying to say that christmas should be this i think christmas as a holiday for children is an important thing that should be preserved but as you get older no matter who you are or what walk of life you find yourself in you're going to associate more and more of the holiday with if not straight up sadness then at least more of a bittersweet quality that's just a side effect of getting literally just because people will be dead and then they won't be there anymore and then you have a bunch of memories of them being there at christmas and now they're not and they never will be and then christmas isn't the same and then your kids aren't five anymore then they're 25 and they show up for a couple hours eat dinner and then go party with their friends yeah then it's suddenly good morning midnight it's christmas yeah exactly and then it's a fucking whiskey on the rocks with lucius fucking making you feel so goddamn sad about this fucking shit that you're like uh merry fucking christmas people so is it my pick is it my turn it's your turn my my pick Everyone knows this song. Everyone loves it. It is my easiest and most obvious pick from 1963's A Christmas Gift to You from Phil Spector. It's Christmas, Baby Please Come Home from Darling Love. Now, the first time I heard this song was the first time I saw Gremlins. That's how the movie started. Yeah. 
Ever since then, the song has been just in my brain around Christmas time. It's always been there. As I've gotten older and I've familiarized myself with Darling Love as an artist and I've listened to A Christmas Gift to You, this song, it is an integral part of the Christmas fabric. It is just there. You can't get rid of it, nor should you, because it belongs there. Absolutely. It's indelible. One of Darlene Love's signature songs, so much so that in, in 2010, Rolling Stone ranked Christmas Baby Please Come Home number one on its list of the greatest rock and roll Christmas songs. Really? Number one. Wow. When the album originally came out, A Christmas Gift for You from Phil Spector was originally released. Which This I think, is the other album we could do the entire album. Because this oh, album, close. if you listen to A Christmas Gift for You from Phil Spector, you will know every song. And Darlene Love is the MVP on the album because she performs four songs on the album, which is more than any other artist. The Ronettes, Sleigh Ride is probably yeah. the other most famous one. Yeah, and they did three tracks on the album, which is which is Very not bad. Cool. When this album first came out in 1960, you can say it underperformed. Perhaps some small part due to the fact that it was released on the same day John F. Kennedy was assassinated. November 22nd, 1963. That'll cause that, problems yeah, for your album or movie. I think that had something to do with, the, with its underperformance. The fact that the president was just murdered in Dallas. They did not have that sentimental feeling. They weren't buying the album at the time. Before Phil Spector became best known for being a convicted murderer with a fucking ludicrous wig, he actually produced music. <laughs> really so that, good music. So it was even a lot of good. really good music. There's this never-ending debate as to whether his wall of sound treatment actually saved or harmed the Beatles' Let It Be. If you ever listen to Let It Be Naked, you're probably in the latter category, but that's neither here nor there. But he certainly made something truly wonderful in A Christmas Gift for You, and Darlene Love's vocal performances anchored that entire album. I'll say it right now. Baby, please come home. That's the fucking goat, man. That's it. She's singing it. She's belting it out to the fucking heavens. She's she's singing to God with that song. She wants God to come home and start the rapture. Fucking amazing. I've heard this song so many times in so many different contexts. I've even heard a cover yeah. of it from the Foo Fighters on an SNL Christmas episode. Holds up. You can't break it. It's that good. It has absolutely stood the test of time. I kind of hate the fact that I've put it on my list because it is so ubiquitous. I, I think to. it's worth it. Kind of like the Eartha Kitt song. Yeah, everyone knows it. Yeah, it's the version, but there's a fucking reason. That's right. the one. It's the I, fucking one. I felt like if I left this song off, like I would have been <laughs> commending my soul to hell. Yeah, also a little more behind the scenes. There were a couple songs I was like, well, I personally would have put this or this above it, but those are much more popular and also so maybe like the most popular version i was like yeah but a couple of them like the lucius cover i was like okay that song needs to be on there one way or another i would agree on this one also it's on the mixtape oh right? fuck yeah this is good news darling love will be thrilled to hear it when i send her my christmas card this year she'll be so happy what's your next uh your next pick kai what is it we're nearing the end we're nearing we're the close. end kai Okay, so this is also one that uh, maybe some people won't know. I'm sure you'll know, though. I know you know. From 1990s, Home Alone original soundtrack called Main Title, Somewhere in My Memory by John Williams.
we we all know it. And it's just it means it means Christmas to me with no words, with no fucking words. It means Christmas. Just like three minutes, whatever it is, three and a half minutes. It means Christmas probably to fucking millions of people. This was also one of those things where I was like, well, there's a lot of great Christmas songs. And then I came across this when I was listening to the Home Alone soundtrack. I was like, no, 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 this this needs to be on there because this this is Christmas. I can't disagree. Kai. And honestly, there's not much more than that. And if you if you're listening to this and you don't know what that means, go listen to it on fucking YouTube. And within five seconds, you'll be like, oh, maybe not five seconds. You may have to listen to it for a minute or two. Maybe 10 seconds. Yeah. Some of the more memorable parts are a minute or two into it. But was part of this used in like Harry Potter also? Well, no, I think John Williams composed the score for the first few Harry Potter movies. So there might be similarities there. Yeah. It's, it feels nearly identical, but maybe it'd just be very similar. The home of like, da, da. Da, da. And then Harry Potter is... Da, da. So yeah, that's similar. It's similar. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, real close. the same guy made it. So obviously he's, there's going to be some similarities. There. And so I was like, oh yeah, yeah, Home Alone soundtrack. And then this is the first song and I just clicked on it. I was like, yep, that's, that's got to be there. It's Christmas. That sounds like Christmas to fucking me. <laughs> fucking John Williams, you <laughs> son of a bitch. John Williams made good fucking wait, music. A oh, big wait. surprise. No, is this the first John Williams song in the, in the Trapo canon? It is. I think it is. We haven't done a lot of musical scores so far, Kai. So, John Williams is now officially in the fucking Trapo canon on the Christmas mixtape. Yep. More to come whenever we do a like, yeah, movie soundtrack mixtape at some point. The Home Alone theme on the mixtape is a no-brainer. It was there before I looked. It's already... How did it already get on the mixtape? How'd that happen? It's like, I'll put this at the bottom of my list. That way, if he throws it out there, I, I can either throw something else out or, or say, hey... We doubled up on this one. Home Alone hit at just the right moment for us. That music is a part of our subconscious at this point. We can't get rid of it. So, absolutely. I got one more song on this list. But before I name my number one, I'm going to throw out a few honorable mentions. Do it. My, my first honorable mention from 1985 soundtrack to Santa Claus the Movie by Sheena Easton. It's Christmas all over the world. <laughs> Perfect Christmas nostalgia for me. This is synonymous with Christmas for me because as a kid, I couldn't get enough of this movie. I loved it. I love the song. Now, looking back as an adult, the lyrics are simplistic. The melody is okay. There's a reason why I didn't put it on my list, but I still have a very soft spot for the song. Next up, Christmas wrapping, not by the waitresses, not from the Christmas record. I very <laughs> although, well, although that one could have, would have, should have. Could have, yes. But this version is from Kylie Minogue. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, this one, this oh, no way. The Kylie Minogue version with Iggy Pop. That's the I, one where he's fucking creepy ass is just mumbling and whispering right. at her, but she's flirting back with him. Right. It's like, holy that's, shit. That's why it this sounds version... sounds like her grandpa's flirting with her and she right. likes it. That's why this version <laughs> made almost... <laughs> the waitress's version didn't make it. The Kylie Minogue version almost made it on my list. Why? In this version of the song, the man that she's singing about, she missed all year and she reconnects with him right at Christmas Eve. The man she wants to fuck is Iggy Pop. 
Yeah, it's like this hot-ass Australian chick you and I have both had a boner for for as long as it fucking matters. And, and Iggy Pop is mumbling at her, and she's fucking hot for it. I was like, God damn it. She's been pining over Iggy Pop for a year. And then at the end of the song, they reconnect. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to bone tonight. Tonight. The way the song ends with such like rich absurdity, where Iggy Pop is going off about skiing, is like, yeah, what well, you don't you don't think I can ski? I well, I can ski. I ski. He goes on about it. I can ski. How the fuck do you do that? I was so close to putting this goddamn song on my list. So close. I took it on and off several times. I debated. I agonized over it because of Iggy fucking Pop. That almost <laughs> put that fucking song on my list. Punk rockers can ski. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to ski because we're going to be fucking all night. But if you want to ski later, sure. Why not? But uh, She wants to fine. fuck Iggy Pop. Kylie Minogue wants to fuck Iggy Pop. It's basically the premise of the song. Congratulations, Kylie. Kylie. We need to get them in on a video for this. Well, we're going yeah, to make our own. <laughs> the next song on my list, Christmas Can and Rock by Trans-Siberian Orchestra. <laughs> Oh, 2004's yeah. The Lost Christmas Eve. A lot would, of people would... I would, would walk cons- down the fucking aisle to that song. Absolutely. Now, a lot of people, I think, would probably prefer Christmas Canon, the original Christmas Canon, but I just think the addition of the rock and roll instrumentation to this version is much more powerful. Yeah. It's just, it's much stronger. And it feels, you can feel like reverberating in your goddamn bones. Yeah. I don't believe in God, but a song like this kind of makes me want to believe in God. Whatever, whatever the fuck you... Whatever Whatever you got, whatever you're selling. Whatever you're selling, give it to me. Oh, God, she's wailing it. You feel that emotion in your heart. Oh, man. And it's just like this kind of happy, wonderful, like, beautiful... Beautiful, Christmas, right. A beautiful white Christmas morning. My final, and this is a, this is the song that I debated keeping on, on literally until this morning. Every Day is Christmas from Sia, from her album, Every Day is Christmas. Every day is Christmas when you're here with me. I'm safe in your arms. You're my angel, baby. I have a very soft spot for this album in general because Sia decided I'm not going to cover a bunch of Christmas songs. I'm just going to make an album of complete originals. And that's what she did. Every song in that album is an original work. And they're all decent. There isn't a dud in that bunch. But her title track, it just grabs me. I don't. I can't tell you yeah, why. You know, uh, again, you sent me that. I had never listened to this. I was like, I know Sia's weird and wacky. And then the first time was kind of like, eh. And then it popped up this morning, like the second or third time I heard it. And I was like, oh, this song is badass. What is it? Oh, this is the Sia song. It's fucking weird ass lady. This shit is funky and weird. And I think I, I think I like it. And it was like the second or third time. I was like, damn, I, th- I think I really like this song. You know, it's a fucking weird ass bat. It's, it's a pretty badass Christmas song. This is why it kills me. I had to include Christmas, baby, please come home. I had to do it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I had to sacrifice every day is Christmas in order to do that, it bugs me that I couldn't include every day is Christmas <laughs> on my list. I listen to every day is Christmas more than I listen to Christmas, baby, please come home. I just do. Probably, yeah. But my heart could not let me ignore baby, please come home. I had to do it. Yeah. That leaves me 
with my final pick from 1988's Polka Party. It's Weird Al Yankovic's Christmas at Ground Zero. Bombs this, are going off. Yeah, this song has been an earworm for 25 years for me. I can't get over it. I listen to this song, not just for Christmas. I will listen to this song in April, in August. It doesn't fucking matter. If it comes up on Shuffle, I'll just sit and listen to it. I don't give a fuck. I love Christmas at Guns yeah. Zero. Now, Polka Party is a pretty good album on its own, if, if you've ever listened to it. But nothing from Polka Party hit with the mainstream. You've heard Living With a Hernia. Everyone who knows Weird Al Yankovic by this point has heard Living With a Hernia. Back in the day, Living With a Hernia was the lead single from Polka Party, and it did not chart. Dare to be Stupid was a hit. People remember that album. He followed up with Polka Party, which is arguably a better work. And for some reason, it just did not click with people. I can't tell you why, but in the moment, Polka Party didn't work. Time overall has uh, shown those people who disliked Polka Party in 1988 to be objectively wrong. Now the song, Christmas at Ground Zero, this actually ties it to Baby Please Come Home because the way Weird Al structured it is as a parody of Phil Spector's Christmas music. That was his guiding star. He was basically told by his record label to make a Christmas song. And so when he was working on Polka Party, I was like, well, okay, fine. I can do a Christmas song. What he turned in Christmas at Ground Zero, the record label was, uh, let's say, not happy with it. They didn't think it was commercial. Right. And so after after he recorded it, Weird Al, he really wanted it out. He wanted the public to hear it. The record label said no. So he took his own money and made a music video for it using a bunch of uh, stock footage from like uh, old like duck and cover videos yeah there's a lot of bomb references that yeah, you could use political uh, propaganda and stuff 1950s duck and cover uh educational videos and shit yeah he made that video himself with his own money you don't want to give me the money fuck you if this is what i want to do i'm gonna do it if you want to give me the money cool if not it's all good he liked his song so much he believed in his own music you he told made me his to own make music this video. And I like it. It got airplay. People watched it on MTV. They're like, hey, wait a minute. We kind of like this video. And so eventually, the record label came around and put it out as a single after it got some traction. But Weird Al had to prove to his record label that the song wasn't hot garbage. The song they wanted him to record. It shows who Weird Al Yankovic is as a person. Here's my money. I'm going to make the video myself. I'm going to show you that this, this song is worth your attention. And guess what? It's worth your attention. This song, it's morbid and it's clever. If the Cold War hadn't been so cold, this is what would have happened. Fuck you, I'm gonna nuke you back. This is like the the Christmas, not not the Christmas miracle, the Christmas anti-miracle that would have happened and we would have all been fucking doomed. Except for the handful of people who lived in a fucking bunker and shit like I go out in the new year. And if the radiation level's okay, I'll go out with you. 
Yeah, all the mutations, mutations on New Year's Day. All, all the mutations on New Year's Day. I was like, what the fuck? It's highlighting the utter absurdity of living under the specter of mutually assured destruction. We're trying to make merry. It's Christmas time. We could all be nuked into oblivion. But, you know, fuck it. It's Christmas. I think it should be a holiday standard. I really do. It's fun. But beyond that, right at the end, it's genuinely chilling. You have this peppy melody, and it's replaced by this chorus of wailing air raid sirens. That's the end of the world. That slowly fades out, and it leaves you with this vague feeling of dread which is entirely appropriate for the holiday season. I mean, it's no coincidence that Christmas at Ground Zero is the final track on Polka Party. That's the last track, right? That's the end, by design. And that's why it's my number one. You can't go wrong, Kai. You know what? You can't. And that's why that motherfucker is in. Oh my God, it's a clean sweep. Oh shit, all ten of yours are in? It's a clean sweep. I really wanted to fuck with you and reject one of them. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not... uh, I'm being a hundred percent. I was like, no, I gotta, I gotta tell him one of these. But you know what? Every single one of these, like, you know what? All right, I'm done. Next time, you best bring kryptonite, Kai. All right. Well, I got one last piece of big green fucking kryptonite for you, motherfucker. And by green, I mean also something that isn't even really a song. It's technically part of a movie, and that is from 1966's. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch by Thurl Ravenscroft. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. Fine. It's, I'll put it in. I can't say no to the Grinch guy. I, got, I gotta tell you, that was one of the few weird things that I was like, even in all of those years I mentioned earlier when I didn't feel Christmas, this is one of the few things I was like, you could always grab onto the Grinch because he was like, fuck Christmas. Right. At the last second, he was like, yeah, it's all right. You know what the Grinch does? He pulls a Christmas wrapping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I'm sorry, that was really bad. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, and you know, the, and also, this is something that, like... Oh, wait, I didn't even ask. Did you have any honorable mentions? Oh, yeah. Um, one of your honorable mentions involved Iggy Pop. One of my honorable mentions, oddly enough, also involves Iggy Pop, and that is Silent Night by William Shatner. Silent Night. Holy Night. Wait, God. that has that's the one with Iggy Pop, right? If my memory serves correctly, yes. I drank a bottle of vodka. I'm pretty drunk. And I'm, I'm really I'm drunk. Sure that, pretty sure he's in that. Anyways, Silent Night by William Shatner from uh, Shatner Claws. And it's just so fucking weird and ridiculous. And Why is this stupid. old Jew making a Christmas album? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't matter because it's fucking hilarious and right. weird and funny. But also, he's not making fun of. 
but it's funny. He's not, it's not a parody. Yeah. It's one of those things where if you just glaze over it or you heard about it or you heard a five-second clip, you could th- you'd could think, oh, yeah, it's just another making fun of Christmas or some celebrity doing some shtick. But it, it's actually like there's some weird emotion behind <laughs> Shatner's Christmas music. It's absurd. Like it. you're, it's you're absurd. Right. I don't know. That shit was funny as fuck. That was definitely one of them. A- another one that uh was also on um phil specter uh christmas a christmas gift was um sleigh ride by the runouts and that's just such a classic christmas sound to me you could be anywhere if, if there's colored lights in that song I'm instantly transported back to Christmas. It's just that it's that time. Bam. And I'm there. Put it in a frame right there. That's Christmas. Yeah, exactly. So if you took a really beautiful kind of like weird or or even like an out of focus picture of a bunch of Christmas lights and that song is playing, there it is. There's Christmas. There's another one. You put Cheech and Chong in there. My kind of uh, humor one was actually Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights. Which isn't a Christmas song. It's a Hanukkah song. But also, growing up as a fucking white boy in rural Kansas, I didn't know what the fuck Hanukkah meant till I heard Adam Sandler talk about it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Jewish people call it something else? Is this the Hanukkah song, or is this actually called Eight Crazy Nights? Wait, I think the movie's called Eight Crazy Nights. The, the Hanukkah song sh- is the... Yeah, it's called the Hanukkah song. Put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah. So much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah. Yeah, okay. And so that's one of those, also one of those kind of weird, funny ones that just always made me laugh as a holiday song. Was it O.J. Simpson, not a Jew? (laughs) Not a Jew. But guess who is? Hall of Famer Rod Carew. He converted. He converted. We, we, all, yeah. we, we know you love it. I don't know. Eat it up like meatloaf. It's delicious. So, yeah, those are a couple of my honorable mentions. Again, another one is, and it's also kind of specifically tied to a video you turned me on to when we were like fucking 20. David Bowie and Bing Crosby's fucking... Oh, Wait, I which song remember. is it? Which song it's, is it? It's Little Drummer it's, Boy. It's little, little Drummer parentheses, Boy, Parentheses, yeah. Peace on Earth. They told a newborn king to see can it be yeah yeah david bowie hits notes that i was like whoa also heard him was singing kind of like weird rock songs before i'd ever listened to like his albums like holy shit he can really fucking sing. And I, I don't remember. You're like, you, you gotta you gotta find the video. Yeah. Holy shit. Maybe seeing it MTV when they played videos in the 90s at fucking, you know, 3 a.m. on Christmas Eve. You know, I know Bing Crosby apparently was just like a mean piece of shit to women. Not really a, a cool, nice dude. Not nice to his kids either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the other thing. Man, that motherfucker could croon. Yeah, he could sing. There's like a weird, uncomfortable energy going on here, but it's so beautiful. It's like, I don't think they like each other, but they're singing really well. I yeah, don't get it. But it's, something's happening. So, those are my honorable mentions. So, for, for my final pick. You fucking upstaged me by picking a Bowie song for Christmas. You did that. You just stabbed me in the dick. I'm sorry. You, you, it's your fault. It's my fault. fault. You, it's my you, fault. I'm not you blaming told me, you. 
You, this is you, on you, me. You led me to that shit. I did this. Stuck with me forever. I did this by not picking Little German Boy Peace on Earth. This is my fault. But you stabbed yeah. me in the dick. My dick blood is, is beating <laughs> out. I'm done. It's dickblood69 I'm... at gmail.com. <laughs> Thurl Ravenscroft. That fucking name. Where Hon- do you get honestly, off? For, honestly, for a long time, I assumed that was some Theodore Geisel cover name, but just that name sounds like a fucking Dr. Seuss play on fucking words. And I just for a long time assumed that that that, that, that was a bullshit name. And then I <laughs> Googled it. I was like, wait, oh shit. Wait, no, he was a real dude. He looked like a fucking dapper, suave motherfucker. And his name was Thurl Ravenscroft. Are you fucking kidding me? But he was the one who had sung that song. It's, it sounds like it could be Boris Karloff singing, but he couldn't sing that. But this dude kind of sound like him and fits in perfectly. I never knew that it was someone else. It just kind of fits in. As as we've talked about all the other weird sad bastard shit, the Grinch is kind of the ultimate sad bastard who destroys Christmas. As I said earlier, a lot of times at the last second, I kind of find the Christmas spirit. And this year's weird because I'm like way ahead of the game for me normally. The Grinch is kind of the same way where he actually is like, fuck this. And then at the last second, he's like, you know what? We, we should party. It's, it's yeah. cool. It, it's all good. Like it matters. It, it needs to be on here. As much as yeah. Christmas, baby, please come home. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch kind of needs to be on here. Because like yeah. you said, the Grinch is the ultimate sad bastard. If I reject his anthem, I'm rejecting myself. Yeah, and part of the other thing is the the song is just a bunch of fucking weird shit. And it's There's, good. These comparisons make absolutely no sense in any fucking time frame. But it doesn't matter. You understand that whatever he's saying is like, ew, no. Ew, that's weird. No, I don't. I don't know what that means, but I don't want that shit. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. It's absolutely on a mixtape. I would throw myself into a vat of acid before saying no to this song. I, I would. Sad green bastard's got to be in there somewhere. I'm gonna throw this out here. I have to do it because I'm so fucking tormented. Okay. We can put Sleigh Ride by the Ronettes into the mixtape. In exchange, we can put Every Day is Christmas by Sia into the mixtape. Just, fuck it, uh, bonus picks. Bonus picks? Bonus Overlapping. picks. Overlapping, yep. Bo- I, w- I would say both the, both those deserve to be to be there. It's a fucking Christmas miracle, Kai. The goddamn just... Christmas miracle. 10, tw- <laughs> 20 became 22. We just did it. And we it did it. And it took 47 recordings. It took 47 recordings, five fucking hours, but we've fucking done it. We have created the ultimate Christmas mixtape. We've done it. Oh my God. Hey folks, uh, we got a comment on the Trapo blog. Trapo blogspot. Trapo blogspot. <laughs> Wait, no, it's blogspot.trapo. Okay, no, no you're closer, no. but it's uh, <laughs> warmer. <laughs> you're getting warmer. No, the uh, the official Trapo blog, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, traposhow.blogspot.com. Now, a lot of people say that uh, blogs are a dying medium, but you know, hey, you know what? We get comments. We get we comments. Do. Here's the cool thing. This comment is from a returning champion, our old friend CJ. This comment is uh, for our Veronica episode. CJ says, I don't know about Danzig's music career, really. 
I've heard maybe three of his songs. I just know him as that guy who buys the house with the elf blood from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> right. Yeah. Those are fucking blood for sacrifices. That, that, that guy, yeah. We, we all know him. Uncle Glenn. I watched the trailer for Veronica last year, and it looked like the dumbest possible thing. I still haven't seen the movie, and I don't know if I could make it through the whole thing based on the clips and stuff from the episode. Listening to you guys talk about it for over an hour is enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's funny. He thinks our comments are like, he's like, I'm not going to spend an hour watching the movie, but your comments were actually probably better than the movie. I understand that point of view completely. I get it. I would not advise anyone necessarily to watch Veronica. Even you, man. I made you watch. I was like, God, you got to watch Veronica. You told me to watch it for fucking a thousand times. I did. When we did the episode, I don't recall either one of us recommending it to anyone for any reason. (laughs) No, I don't think so. You do not want to subject yourself to Veronica. Why would you? I'm the guy who likes it, and I'm like, don't watch it. Don't watch Veronica. Uncle Glenn doesn't know how to make movies. I really thank you. For the comment, CJ, thank you for, I'm, I'm assuming this is the same CJ, thank you for uh, coming back and commenting again, which means we're doing something right if we have returned customers. Right. If you would also like to uh, leave a comment on our uh, illustrious blog, you can do so. Just visit Trapo Show, that's T-R-A-P-P-O Show, dot blogspot dot com, and uh, pour your heart out. Have a good time, and we might read it on the air. All right, folks, we have a new email from a frequent listener, Mac. New friend of the show, got to tell you. He's, he's following our blog, so yeah. So he's, he's following along. So, hey, I don't know if you actually answer your emails or not, but I've got some spare time, and I figured I'd drop another email after listening to your latest episode, the album exchange featuring Jimi Hendrix's Electric Ladyland and Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's Fever to Tell. I was pretty interested to hear your thoughts on these albums, to be honest. So right off the bat, I'm like, all right, Mac, all right. Okay, all right. okay first off, I think you have to apologize because he says he doesn't know if we answer emails. Well, here's the thing. Thus far, yours is the only email we've gotten. We were so flabbergasted that we uh, we forgot to, to respond to you. Sorry, Mac. Our response to your first email is, uh, what would it be? That bad for good. Listen to the bad for good episode. If you don't want to listen to us ramble about Jim Steinman for like two hours, just cut to the end and we'll, we'll suck your dick real good. So <laughs> you'll have a good You're time. Welcome. When you reach the end of the episode, I promise. Back to Max email. I'm going to start things off by saying I'm not the biggest fan of Jimi Hendrix. Don't crucify me because I find nothing wrong with the man's music, but I just never found a way to really connect with his stuff beyond enjoying his radio hits as sort of a background noise. Jimi Hendrix has just always kind of been there, like a musical fixture for me, and I've never really had any inclination to dive deeper into the man's catalog. So hearing Kai's thoughts on Electric Ladyland and how this album became a part of his musical foundation really inspired me to look a little closer at his catalog. I've already listened to Electric Ladyland a few times since, and I'm really enjoying it so much so that I'm sort of kicking myself for not getting into this music a lot earlier in life. 1983, A Merman I Shall Be, is just a beautiful laid-back ride that has now officially become a part of my late-night playlist for those lazy nights and early mornings when I get a little baked and zone out for a few hours to some tunes that take me on a chill journey. So thanks for inspiring me to finally get on the Jimi Hendrix bandwagon. He knows your name, so... And here's the shocker, my dude. He spelled my name right. 
So I feel like whoever this is is a 100% stalker. Or, I'm not, unless, of course, you put my name in the show notes. It's right you, there. <laughs> yeah, your, name, your name's in the show Duh. notes. So that was the first, like, quarter of the email. He likes Jimi Hendrix now. I like the idea of the, uh, what, what did you say? The uh, the groove, what the fuck was it? Late late night groove playlist. Yeah. For, uh, basically chill times to kind of get baked and chill. Yeah. Put some that, tunes on. I was like, well, that that's the fucking song to put on there. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in so far. What else, what else does this magic motherfucker have to say? As for yeah, yeah, yeah. Does he hate Fever to Tell? I have to say your commentary was pretty spot on for Fever to Tell. Fever to Tell was like a bomb being dropped on my psyche when I first heard it. Playful, sexual, furious, weird, and beautiful. An album that wears its heart on its tattered sleeve and isn't afraid to get its hands dirty. What a fantastic debut album. A fully formed kind of fuck you to musical norms and i've been with them every step of the way the song subway only a veteran band with a certain level of comfort and self-assuredness could have composed that the band that made pin couldn't have made subway and that's just cool they've continued to evolve over the years not content to just keep playing in the same small pond so to speak we actually talked about Subway when we were having our conversation about Fever to Tell. Yeah. I cut that part out because it was irrelevant to the conversation. It was already getting long, but... That's funny. Yeah, that's... Uh, God damn. Okay, all right. So, Matt continues, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with what, like, the Foo Fighters have been doing since There Is Nothing Left to Lose was released, but it's basically been the same thing ever since with precious little variation. They understand their audience, and they seem perfectly happy to keep pandering to them. That doesn't mean I have to keep listening, no matter how much I may cherish their first albums. Yeah, 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 had to keep moving forward to keep trying new things, and that means we kept getting new and interesting music from one of the greatest bands of the 21st century, a true American original. Yet, yeah, I would suggest Lux Prima. <laughs> Lux Prima. Karen O's recent collaboration with Danger Mouse, which you suggested to me a yeah. few months ago, and I listened yeah. to, and we talked about how fucking awesome it was. Lux Prima's fucking great. It's well worth your time. Well, Mac, yeah, thanks for your suggestion <laughs> again. We've, yeah. We we actually fanboyed over that album like a couple months, a fucking year ago, a month uh, yeah. ago, I don't know. Unfortunately, we didn't do it in a recording. We were just yeah. talking about it. But yeah, that, yeah so, Lux Prima is a, is a fantastic fucking album. I mean, it kind of hurts bringing up the Foo Fighters like that because I, I, I consider myself a fan, but... Yeah, but but he's right. I, I mean... Yeah, I can't argue with it. They found a groove and they did a slight variation of the groove. Like they rode the left side and the right side, but they didn't leave the groove. It's dad rock now. Whenever they make a new album, I, I hear some other shit. And it's always yeah. good, but I'm never thrilled about it. It's the like, last time I was thrilled... Was this up their last album? album? Oh, no, this is new yeah. yeah, was it 10 years ago? Who the fuck knows anymore? The last album of theirs that thrilled me was There's Nothing Left to Lose. That was the last yeah. one. What the fuck? Yeah. Lux Prima. Yeah, that was yeah. a good email. That was really... Oh, oh, it's not done. Uh, is, oh, okay. Uh, there's still three or four, four more paragraphs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Mac, Mac I'm sorry, Mac. I'm sorry. This is, and I have not screened this, so I'm reading this live to you. I didn't read all this, this way down here. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. This, I'm going to read this read? fresh and be, and be surprised. Yeah, I'm going to cold read. Okay. Here we go. This is where it gets interesting, too, and that's why I stopped reading it. Initially, I was like, no, 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 no. I want to read this live and see what the fuck happens. Okay. So, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to share a story here. 
that's where I was like, oh, oh, oh. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. Because that's where shit could get weird or it could just be someone who needed to vent. I don't know. I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to share a story here. And I don't know how long it's going to be, so I apologize in advance. I'm not sure how old you guys are, but I'm 42. And I was not very musically inclined until I was 20 years old and smoked up with my friends for the first time. I was a straight-laced geek who would listen to the radio, but had no real musical preference and didn't own any CDs. Then the first time I actually got high was at my best friend's house with a couple of other pals, and he had inherited his old man's record collection after he died a few years earlier. Shit. That's that's fucked up. Dead dying in your teens. And he was going through a phase where he was listening to all of his late father's music in his free time. Mike's dad was a really cool guy who would always let us stay up late and watch horror movies that we had no business watching during sleepovers, and he'd take us to Burger King on the weekends, and, uh, buy everything for me because my family was kind of poor. I got to a point where I was spending more time over at Mike's house every weekend than at my own place. But my parents never really seemed to mind since that meant I was out of their hair. He died of a heart attack when we were 17 and I remember Mike had a very hard time dealing with that. Well, yeah, yeah no, shit. No, no shit. For sure. Especially if he was a cool ass dude like this guy sounds like he was. His dad was like a superhero, was gone and all he had left to remember him by were his records. And I know listening to these old albums made him feel closer to his dad. One day he told me that when he listened to them alone, he felt like his old man was sitting there in the easy chair in the rec room. Goddamn, Mac hitting us in the field. Fuck. I don't remember the music that was playing when I was smoking, but I remember the music he put on when I was sinking into this old recliner in his bedroom with an ice cold bottle of RC Cola. It was... Oh, get ready. Transformer by Lou Reed. Mm, Now we know why it's on the list. This music changed my life. It opened the floodgates and I became a voracious listener, trying to find the weirdest and most eclectic stuff I could get my hands on. And Mike's dad's record collection became an invaluable resource for me. I listened to, oh Jesus, Captain (laughs) Beefheart, Captain Beyond, Mm. The Alan Parsons Project, Jethro Tull, Frank Zappa, etc. via these sacred records over the next few years while getting wasted and having a blast with my friends. Frank Zappa in that collection. That's pretty fucking nice. Captain Beyond. Yeah. Captain Beyond. Yeah. Okay, yeah, keep going. Keep going. Jethro. Jethro Tolk. Jethro fucking I mean, Tull. and in your tw- in your 20s, uh, this would have been, so this would have been like probably the late 90s. It's a couple years older than us. So it's the late 90s probably. My love for music, all kinds of music, hasn't faded over these 20 years later. I've recently devoured the works of Kraftwerk and Oingo Boingo mm-hmm. over the past month or so, mm-hmm. having no real familiarity with either band beyond film composer Danny Elfman's involvement with the latter and I found myself exclaiming where have these bands been all my life nothing to fear might actually be one of my new favorite albums yeah, man. Same, same with me also. I, I recently listened to all of Kraftwerk's stuff that I could easily find. It's such a wonderful thing, this seemingly endless world of music out there, just waiting for us to discover. And I'm out there searching every day for that new frontier. Movies are great. I love books and plays. I've certainly watched a fair amount of TV shows. There's just something unique, something wonderful about discovering new music. There's just nothing else like that feeling that washes over you when you find that new album, that new song that just clicks into place and enriches your life. I'm a middle-aged man with a job and a mortgage, and every time I get that feeling, I'm just a stone kid again, having the time of my life. 
I've even built up quite a collection of records myself, and I think Mike's dad, maybe the coolest adult I ever met, would be proud. I'm going to sign off with my favorite quote from the legend himself, Hunter S. Thompson, that really encapsulates my feelings regarding music. Music has always been a matter of energy to me, a question of fuel. Sentimental people call it inspiration, but what they really mean is fuel. On some nights, I still believe that a car with a gas needle on empty can run about 50 more miles if you have the right music very loud on the radio. Thanks for reading, I hope, and keep up the good work, Mac. We have we have one uh, friend out there in the world. And now I understand what everyone always said, like, the podcasting community is so cool. Like, holy shit. Thank you for the novella, Mac. Thanks, <laughs> I think Mac. we both really appreciate it. Yeah, don't be self-conscious about the length of your email because we, we I think I, I think we both enjoyed it. And uh, we ramble on a lot, too, so we, yeah. we get it. He's giving feedback about the albums. It's all good. Pretty standard stuff. And then he goes into this story about, uh, yeah, that fucked me up, kind of. I just, I, that for some reason, that really hit me. Hit me in the feels, for sure. The idea that that became kind of a catalyst to help, in its own way, to help you discover, like, this new world of music. It's like, yeah, I get that. I really do. Yes, thank yeah. you for sharing that story. I think we, we both greatly appreciate it. Thanks for yeah, your email, like, Mac. Keep listening. Like, it feels like you're, there's really nothing that compares to finding something new, discovering a new song or a new album or a new artist, and suddenly it's a brand new world. And then the way it triggers you 25 years later to instantly transport you back to where you were when you heard it. It's a time machine. Yeah. It's a fucking Definitely. time machine. I, I thought the first was great because, like, holy shit, we got an email. You know, someone yeah. actually emailed and us. He, and he gave us a list of albums that are fucking good and worth listening to and talking about. By the way, Mac, if you're listening to this, this is our Christmas present to you. In the near future, we will be discussing all four of the albums that you mentioned. That's going to happen. We will have an episode dedicated to those albums. Listener requests. Like I said, that's our Christmas present to you. Now, it's going to be late. You can unwrap it when it arrives at your virtual doorstep sometime in 2022 we cannot commit to a specific date but it is coming we greatly appreciate your email thank you for sharing and i think our our audience appreciates your sharing as well of course i say that he is our audience so i mean (laughs) yeah if you would like to send us an email yeah you can do it kai tell the listeners how they can get in contact. You can hit us up at dickblood69. That's D-I-C-K-B-L-O-O-D-D-6-9 at gmail.com. Or you can also look us up at traposhow.blogspot.com. That's how you do it. That's how you find Trapo on the internet. We're fucking everywhere. We're like a fungus. You can't get rid of us. You a wart. We're an antibiotic-resistant infection. Okay, so wow, we've, we've completed our inaugural christmas mixtape i'll level with you i'm i'm very happy with the results i like what we picked i think we've we've made good picks i think this is pretty pretty fucking solid i'm pretty solid almost all of your picks are now just into my christmas canon on my christmas playlist i'll tell you right now i'm gonna be spending christmas with satan it's just gonna happen it's happening in the motor city and probably in the Motor City, Motor uh, City. because oftentimes the Detroit Lions play football on Christmas. <laughs> so um, I'll be watching that, thinking of that and Satan. It's Christmas, Kai. <laughs> good morning, midnight. It's Christmas. Yeah, fucking I good night, moon. We've had a good time, and I will say to you, dear listeners, wherever you are, 
we wish you the merriest of Christmases and the happiest of holidays. Uh, this is us signing off. We are putting a, a period at the end of the year 2021. A it's very happy Christmas and a happy new year. I have been Destin. You has been Destin. I has been Kai. Merry fucking Christmas, everybody. 